Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. tonight have your way as always in our midst lord continue the good work you have begun in us lord gradually molding us and shaping us into the men and women that you desire us to be lord lead us into your perfect will for our lives father even as the scripture comes forth even as the word comes forth through your anointed servant father we pray that may we have attentive ears oh lord to tune in to the frequency that the Holy Spirit is operating in, O oh Lord, that we will connect with you at another level, O oh God Almighty, and the Word will transform us just as you have ordered, just as you have prepared this evening, O oh Lord. Have your way with us. Have your way with us, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Let's please put our hands together and welcome our Papa, Reverend Gilbert Asamoa, for more of that powerful teaching. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we want to tell you that we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the completed work of Christ on the cross. Thank you for the blood of Christ Jesus. For the remission of sins. And for declaring us righteous by the resurrection from the dead. Thank you for the confidence we have towards your throne. That when we come, we know we are accepted. Therefore, we pray that you shall bless this word, so God. Let it be embraced and received as your holy precious word. Let it become life to our spirits, life to our soul, and life to our body. In the name of Jesus. May the operation of curses be broken in our lives. Let there not be any, any linkages to ancient curses that run through our families. Let there not be any linkages no more through the curses that we have brought upon ourselves by our own disobedience. Deliver us, O oh God, from such linkages by the power of of the blood of Jesus and the power of your resurrection through Jesus our Lord. Amen. We thank the Lord. How to neutralize curses through the power of the age to come. Hallelujah. You are going to discover as you walk with God and as you read the Bible, you are going to discover that a lot of what God is saying he says it over and over again. Hallelujah. And they all have a bedrock 
foundation in the work of Christ. His, his death, burial, resurrection. Hallelujah. And so, when you, you see, the, the arrival of Christ was, was a marker in human history and in God's dealings with man. And so, all the things that happened proud to the cross or proud to Christ's coming, it had to draw its power from Christ on the cross and his resurrection. In other words, if God walked with Abraham and he said that it was declared unto him righteousness because of his faith. Hallelujah. Of course, Christ had not yet come to die on the cross. But we are told, is that not so? We are told that we become righteous by our faith. Righteousness is not by doing good. Amen. So if Abraham was declared righteous by his faith, but Christ had not yet come, what righteousness is he are we talking about? So, so, so what it means is that God credited to Abraham something that was going to happen in the future. Hallelujah. So that the people that lived before Christ, all the things that they, the, the way they walked with God, it was a future, a future benefit that God let them enjoy. Hallelujah. How do we, how can we say that? Because you see, it, it says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham, when he was instructed to sacrifice his son. Okay? It says that Abraham believed, right, that God is going to raise him from the dead. It's either Romans or Hebrews, one of the two places. Probably, probably Hebrews chapter 4. But it's in the Bible somewhere, I'll tell you later. But it's, it's interesting that when, 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 God, when Abraham was walking with uh, Isaac to the place of sacrifice, and Isaac asked him that, Daddy, we have the wood we have the things to do the sacrifice. Where is the lamp? And Abraham said, God will provide us a lamp. He had not yet seen that there will be a lamp hidden in the bush. As a matter of fact, he believed that when he said God will provide us a lamp, at that moment in time, he knew it was his son. Hallelujah. But then, but then later on, when the apostle was commenting on this whole episode, he brought a revelation that the faith in Abraham it is not just that he could believe God in order to bear a child at his old age. That is not the... His faith was also in connection with the fact that when God said, give me your son, sacrifice him for me, he believed that God will also raise him from the dead. Why did he believe God will raise him from the dead? Because God has given him a promise that he said, out of you would that, I what? Bless all nations out of your seed. So if God is going to kill him, how is that going to happen? So he believed that in order for God to fulfill his original promise, even if he sacrifices Isaac, Isaac will be raised from the dead. And so the apostle commented in the book of Hebrews that when he put him on the uh, altar, and then God finally told him not to kill him, but use this other lamp. The apostle commented that in a figure, or metaphorically, God raised Isaac from the dead. Because as far as Abraham was, Isaac was already dead. Amen. Now what does that mean? I mean, Isaac is a, the only begotten son of Abraham. Is that not so? So that was a foreshadow of the coming of the only begotten son of God. Who was going to be what? Crucified. Crucified, I don't know how many years from Abraham to Isaac. I, I forgot to check, but it's easily, you can easily find it. From, uh, I know from uh, David to Isaac was 1,000. From David to Jesus was 1,000 years. Abraham to Jesus, I forgot how, many, how long it is. But, but the point I'm making to you is that, that that period of whatever happened prior to Prior to Christ coming, the, the benefits, the, 
the, the, the juice, the, the, the privilege, the, the every good thing that people that work with God enjoyed. God was letting them reap the, uh, the, the, the benefits of Christ dying on the cross, even though he had not yet come. Because keep in mind that the Bible said a thousand, day, day, a thousand years is like a day before the Lord. And a day is like a thousand years. Is that not so? And so what you see is that as far as God is concerned, God is in a timeless zone. God is not subject to time. God, I mean, time, time is eternity, eternity's child. Time was birthed at the onset of creation. And in fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 1 very closely, you notice that time did not exist before the fourth day. I mean, it's a bit complicated, but let me just say it. And I said it before, that in the beginning when God said, let there be light, that light that came out was not the light from the sun. Did you know that? It was, it was divine original light, primary light coming from him. And then it says that God separated the light from the darkness and then the, 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 and then the, the first day, okay? The second day, there was water. There was water all over the place. God separated the water from below and the water from above. Okay? And then what happened? He said that he put an expanse or a dividing firmament between the waters above and the waters beneath. And then he called the expanse heaven. That's causing the expanse to regulate the waters beneath. Do you get it? And then he, he uh, so, so that's the second day. So far, we have not seen the sun and the moon. But how do we count our day today? We count our day based on what? The earth rotating 24 hours, but we don't have the sun as a standard. If the sun is the standard, the sun has not been created. How do we count this? What I'm saying is that this was, time was placed to help us live our lives, but God is not subject to time. Okay? And I'm not tired that he commanded the, 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 the dry ground to appear. Okay? He commanded the dry ground to appear, which is a picture of resurrection, on the third day resurrection. Okay? And then the fourth day is when he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. So what am I saying? I'm saying that God, as far as God is concerned, when Isaac was on the altar about to be sacrificed, God looked at him and said, he said, that's Jesus. Like, in God's mind, he could let Abraham enjoy the benefits of the resurrection of Christ, even though Christ has not yet come, because it is only in human time that it is so long, but in God's time, it's so short. I mean, if you are, if you are a human being and looking at the table this length, this long, okay, you can just do this, like, if you want to use your hand as if your hands are legs. You can go like this, you'll you finish the journey very soon. But if an ant is walking from one end of the table to the other, to the ant, it is like going from here to Cleveland because of its size in relation to the table. So, you see, in relation to earth and time and God, God, the way he's so big and vast, what seems a long time to him is so short. And then also, not only that, he's able to bend time. He's able to bend time. If something is supposed to take this long, he's able to go around it. That is how people in the Old Testament was, were able to reap the benefits of the powers of the resurrection. Hallelujah. And so, and so um, why am I saying this? I'm saying that everything that we are learning and we are studying, you will see that God is not doing any new work. As a matter of fact, the, the apostle also mentioned that Christ was, he said, he's called the lamb that was what? Slain before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. What that means is that in Genesis, Christ was already crucified. In Genesis, he was already crucified. Because that lamb that God killed to use the, 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 the skin to cover Adam and Eve, it was, it was what? 
a prophetic statement about the crucifixion of Christ. Hallelujah. Why is that important? What I'm saying is that there is not going to be any new revelation or any new thing that God is going to have to do. What we need to do, we need to grow in what is already revealed. Amen. A preaching may sound wild to you. It's not because it's a new thing. In fact, if anybody preaches any new thing that is not from the Bible, that is what? Heresy. Amen. But we have to grow. We have to grow in our, yeah, that's the scripture. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. Hallelujah. So, so, so what we need to do then, what we need to do then is that we need to pray for the spirit of revelation. We need to pray for the spirit of revelation and understanding in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of the scriptures. Because God is not going to say anything new outside of the completed work of Christ. Amen. And so I said that all the people that lived before Christ came, what? Uh, from Adam to Christ, they say it's 4,000 years. Amen. And interestingly, Christ was born 4 BC. Hallelujah. He was born 4 years before he was born. But that's uh, somebody's miscalculation. So he was born 4 BC. And so from Adam to Christ, 4,000 years. Amen. And then from, uh, from Christ to now, it's 2,000 years. So, so think of Christ as a type of cosmic, supernatural, mystical magnet standing in the middle. And everybody that came before him, that what with God that received blessing from God, the benefit of it, it was mysteriously imported from the future. That is because Christ has not yet come. It was imported from, from Christ to them for them to benefit from it. Hallelujah. You and I have been born after the cross, right? And after the resurrection. So then, the God who is master of time and master of history, because history is actually his story. History, it is his story. God's story. Amen. And there's a lot of history that they've, they've uh, covered up because Satan was in charge of the, the books. So they've covered up something that will be in favor of God and God's work. That's why you don't find the way Joseph saved Egypt in the Egyptian record. You don't find it. Do you think it is in Satan's interest to have it published? No. But the Bible says, Jesus said that whatever is hidden shall be revealed. Hallelujah. And so what I'm saying is that, what I'm saying is that, don't look for anything new than what you're already hearing. Hallelujah. Don't look for anything new besides what is in the Bible already. Because the power that caused the people to benefit from David is going to war. David is going to war. And, and now, and now um, he, he, the, the Lord told him, he, says, he asked the Lord, should I go forward? The, the, the Lord said, go forward. He said, wait, wait, wait. Then he said, when you hear, when you hear there is movement on the mulberry trees. When you hear movement, then move. Now, the, 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 how can there be movement on trees? The Lord caused angels to move on the trees. And that caused a fear amongst the enemy. And they ran off. Why? How is that happening? Because, you see, David has caught a revelation about the coming of Christ. Amen. And it was Christ who told Nathaniel, he said, look, you think I gave you a word of knowledge and you are so impressed? I want to tell you that you shall see the heavens open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. One thousand years before Jesus came, angels were moving already on behalf of David. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is that Christ is the central piece of history and the central point of all revelation and all power. So if you are studying about the powers of the age to come, I want you to know that before he came on the scene, he was already here. And then those of us who, who are living after the cross, if God was able to import and, 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 and bring back 
into their time before Christ actually came, died, and resurrected. Then God, the same God is able to take something that happened 2,000 years ago and, and, and the benefits of it and apply it to your life today. But how is it that you are not benefiting from it? Let's look at this scripture. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. All that we are studying is an invitation to encountering God, the one true God, to encounter him. An invitation to encounter God. There's not going to be a different Bible. There's not going to be another scripture. There's not going to be a different thing. Look at the scripture. Let's start from verse 13. You see? Till I come, give attendance to reading. Hallelujah. I preached a series in which we read this passage. The series before this series. What was that? The, the can do man. Okay. And, and, and when I was reading this scripture, Brother Ishmael, you need to pay attention to this scripture because every time I look at this scripture, your face comes to mind, especially the verse 15. Hallelujah. You see, you may not know that there is a, there is a, a destiny something to it. That's why you, don't, you shouldn't just, before you say you won't come to church, you should pray about it. Amen. One day, because sometimes the spirit of God moves a certain way because of the presence of a particular person in the service. One day I was coming and then a message that I was preaching was supposed to be, it was supposed to be linked to somebody. Hallelujah. And then the person said, they are, they are not going to be here. And then the, everything vanished. Hallelujah. These things are spiritual and very powerful. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. Look at it. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. To doctrine. Amen. Then neglect not the gift that is in thee. Paul is writing to his son Timothy. Paul never got married. Not that we know of. Timothy's uh, uh, mom was who? Eunice? Eunice. And his grandmother was Lois. Is that not so? Paul didn't get married to Lois or, or, or Eunice. Amen. So if he's calling Timothy his son, it is a spiritual sonship. Hallelujah. Then he said, the glamour that gives, which was given thee by prophecy, by, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Okay? This is the verse Brother Ishmael, this is the verse. He said, meditate upon these things. Actually, I recommend that you go back. I don't remember which, which number in the series that we read that scripture. Because when we're preaching the Skanduma, somewhere along the line, we read this. And Brother Rasmus, um, is the podcast up to date? It's not up to date. Because I've not gone there for a long time. Then recently I checked it, I think this week. And I saw October 12th. I said, hey. So, since October 12th, that, that my, my messages are not on the podcast. But I my, is that correct? Since October 12th. Correct yourself very, very quickly, my friend. Correct yourself seriously. What we are dealing with is the eternal words of God. And it needs to be broadcast and it needs to be, it needs to be published. And God will ask us one day. Hallelujah. It's, it's one month now. Don't joke with it, brother. Don't, do not joke with this assignment. Okay. Why is it that since October 12, the messages have not been published? Is it because I'm not preaching on Sunday? But I'm preaching on weekdays. So the message needs to be there. What I'm, the reason I'm saying is that I think whatever day it was, you, you need to listen to it again because there's something in there for you. Sometimes there are moments in time that something God is giving something. You get it. But what I'm saying is like meditate upon this and give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Next one. Take heed unto thyself. Take heed unto thyself. 
and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Hallelujah. See, recently I had a certain encounter, but I don't think it's time yet for me to reveal it. Hallelujah. But it is a sobering experience. Or I should say it was a sobering experience. But if you see me going wild Erasmus, I'm very serious about very serious things. Amen. So, so I have not started a message, but what I'm saying is that what we've been studying in this book and talking about the powers of the age to come, don't look for feathers coming from the sky somewhere. Don't look for any other thing other than what you are already hearing. Hallelujah. And so now, look at it. Hebrews chapter 6. In order to break curses, the whole point of all the introduction was that in order to break the curses that are operating in our lives, Bishop first, in the opening of the book, he said we should respect curses. We should respect global curses that are already in place. Respect something mean, does not mean that the thing will beat you up. If you are a boxer and you are going to face an opponent, you must respect your opponent. Is that not so? In a soccer match, brother Ishmael, if you underrate your opponent, you, you'll, be, you'll be surprised. The, 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 the underdog can easily beat you. Amen. So, so when Bishop said we must respect curses, he's, he does, he's not trying to frighten us to make us feel that curses can overcome us. No. But in order for you to take things seriously, you must know the seriousness of the issue. Then you will then take seriously the, the antidote, the thing that has been given to, what do you call it, overcome the, the, the curse. Hallelujah. Okay? And so, and so I want us, we are going to start from verse 4. I want us to, to um, you know, the, 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 the overcoming of curses have a direct impact on your welfare. Because one of the things Bishop did, if you look at the book, the first two, the two tests of the book is on curse, developing the whole idea of curses. And then the last one third of the book, which is where I'm preaching from, is talking about how to overcome the curse through the powers of the age to come. Hallelujah. And so now that we know that curses exist, what are we doing about it? At the end of the day, you must ask yourself, how much, how much have I given myself holy? How much have I meditated on what I'm hearing? Amen. Because the spirit of revelation that we are praying for, to give you an insight into what God wants you to do about something, it will come by meditating on what you're already hearing. Meditating on the scriptures. Meditating on the messages. Meditate. It's not anything new, but the same one you have heard. Meditate, 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 meditate. Hallelujah. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted. Look at it. He's giving you a progression of the life of a believer. Everybody here is born again. Brother Derek, everybody here is a believer already. This message is not addressed to unbelievers. And so then, and so then what we need to do, that we need to, we need to kind of check ourselves. Where are we on this list? He said there is a group. When you are a believer, you are what? Enlightened. Light has come. The next one is that you have tasted of the heavenly gift. You see, we don't treasure our salvation as tasting anything. But you must see that you have tasted of a heavenly gift. When I came out of, when I came out of the train station in Elizabeth, New Jersey many years ago, and this lady who was dressed a certain way looking for business, and she approached me. He said, it looks like you're looking for a little something. Look at it. But, but within me, I was not looking for any little something. something. That, that, that I, already, I already have tasted of a heavenly gift. And I didn't need the gift that she had. 
when you feel when you feel what what you when you feel uh, you, you are deprived, when you feel that you you you, you are you are deficient of something, that's when you go and look for something. Yes. Hallelujah. Have you tasted of the heavenly gift? And then what? We were partakers of the Holy Ghost. Partakers of all. Each one of these things is a mega thing all by itself. You know why, Samantha? The reality of the matter is that we have not given, brother Ishmael, the, the verse I gave you, and I'm using that to talk to Samantha now. That Samantha, what what is happening is that we have not meditated deeply enough on what we are already hearing. Okay, we have not meditated enough, and we have not given ourselves wholly to it. Okay, and that is why we are not reaping the benefits because the, the very powerful things of God. Very powerful things of God are not having the efficacy, the, the effect it should have because we have belittled it. Hallelujah. How is it that Abraham and, and, and Jephthah and, and Joshua and these people who lived before Christ died reap the benefit of it because of their faith? And those of us who have lived after Christ has come, if you look at it logically in the chronology of time, you and I should be what? Be more able to, we'll be moving much higher because, because something that is yet to be done uh, and then God is using it to benefit people who are existing before that thing. The, the people who live after that, logically speaking, the full blessing should be ours. Hallelujah. But we are not meditating on the scripture. We are not meditating what? We are partakers of the Holy Ghost. That alone should blow us up. Hallelujah. But you see, we all grow in revelation. And the more you grow in revelation, it's like it's like a, a marriage. You grow in revelation of your spouse over time. Maya, are you listening to me? <laughs> because it looks like everybody here is married except you. That's why I'm saying. Oh, and, and Rasmus. And Rasmus. So, so take lessons. <laughs> you grow in revelation of your spouse. The day of the betrothal. It's a starting point. And then the day of the exchange of vows is an advance. Okay? But you will know a lot more things. That you, even yesterday, you could discover something yesterday after almost 20 years of marriage. And the thing is that, <laughs> the, thing, the, thing, the thing is that, the thing is that, and I'm not talking about bad things. So. No, no, no. Don't think bad things. Don't, when I say discover something about yourself, I'm not saying you're going to discover a bad character. There are good things too that you are going to discover. As you live with a person over time, you say, hey, this person, not knowing they are so good like that. <laughs> exactly. One one pastor. It's a movie. <laughs> one pastor. One, one, one pastor. I think uh, somebody told somebody told him. No, no. I think he told Bishop that my wife, eh, she's very deceptive. And when he said that, he didn't mean deceptive in terms of like a trickster. But he said that when you look at her, you, don't, you wouldn't see how good she is. Like, like, like she doesn't come out so obvious for you to see such a good person. He said, my wife, she, she, she said she's so, so good that I, I'm so blessed to, to be married to this person. Bishop, you have no idea who she is. Amen. And so, and so there, there's a progression we need to grow in, our, in relation to God. And the vast expanse, you see, Apostle Paul said that, he used the, uh, the phrase, he said that, to me, who is the least of all the saints, has been given even the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
that statement, it, it just shakes me because he said, it's, it, it's Christ is like a, a promised land to explore. And he used the expression, the unsearchable riches. It means that there's a lot more in Christ than we have even experienced. Hallelujah. Amen. And so look at it. Next verse. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. They have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now, the question that arises, and that's obviously the last phrase, is what we are dwelling on, the powers of the age to come. That, and we, we are connecting it to what is going to happen at the end of the age. Is that not so? We are connecting it to that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So when God said in Revelation 21 that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, if you are in Christ, you already are in the new heaven and the new earth. And the powers of the age to come are yours for the taking. But do we want it? Do we want it? Do you realize that? Do you realize that there is a place, there's a place of hunger that God is looking for his children? There's, there's a hunger because at the end of the day, the mother will cook the food. And the mother will say, everybody bring your plate. Everybody bring your plate. Do you know, recently we went to a, a, a buffet, Chinese buffet place. Their plates are unusually small. <laughs> I don't know. But you see, if it's a buffet, Maya, if it's a buffet, it means I can go as often as I... I so, so if you make the place small, it doesn't mean anything. Because somebody who means business, they will finish, the small is on it, and then they will keep going and going. Except the lazy, because there are some also that uh, one, the first set, once they finish, they don't feel like going back and going back and going back. <laughs> but but, but, but the, the point I'm making is that the mother finishes the food and says, okay, everybody bring your bowl. Now, if you bring a bowl the size, you know that, you know, uh, uh, when you go to parties, they have the the, the entree uh, plate, and then they have this smaller one for what? Cellar or dessert. Those ones are, are, are smaller. If you bring a small plate, that's what will be served to you. If you bring a big, a big plate, so that's how God operates. Amen. So the, the, the whole powers of the world to come is available for all of us to partake. And, and what God is doing is that he's, what? He's, taking, he's taking parts of it and he's using it to on your, near your nose to smell it. It's like invitation for, for, for what is available to the new creation man, the new creation believer. The powers of the age to come are available for you now. Now, which one do you want? A long time ago, there was a king. And this king was believing God for a breakthrough. And he met the prophet, the man of God, Elisha. And then the Lord, uh, 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 the, the prophet told him, bring a, a what do you call it, a, an arrow and a bow. Bring a, a, a bow and bring what do you call it? The, the thing that you use to carry your arrow, the bag for the arrows. And then he said, let's go out into the yard. Okay? Then he told him that you are going to shoot this arrow and it's going to be a sign of the victory that you are going to have over the Syrians because they've been beating Israel over the years. Amen? But the mystery of it is that Elisha did not tell him how many arrows he should shoot. Amen. But the king took the arrow. He shot the first one. He took another arrow. He shot the second one. He took a third arrow. He shot the third one. And then he stopped. And the scripture says, Elisha was angry. And Elisha said, 
you have shot three arrows, you are going to have victory over the Syrians for three years. And after that, <laughs> you are come, you're going to come under them. Elisha was angry. And, and, and you see, in human logical terms, he said, why is Elisha angry? You didn't tell him how many to shoot. But he did not have to tell him how many to shoot. If the shooting of the arrow represents victory, and you have a whole bag of them, just shoot, keep on shooting. But the thing is that the man was not hungry. He was lazy, a little pain in his shoulder. After shooting three, he was tired. He wasn't looking for more. He wasn't hungry for more. So he, 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 he just relaxed with what he, 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 I mean, I think he probably didn't have revelation. <laughs> Amen. Because if he had revelation that this shooting, he, he would have shot her until he, actually what he would do, Brother Ishmael, he would make them make a factory where arrows are being made. And he would keep shooting until Elisha said, look, I'm tired. I need to go to bed. He didn't have the attitude. That attitude was, okay, let me just shoot a little. A few. That has been our case. We are not hungry enough for God. We are not hungry for more. A little that we have, we are satisfied with it. Amen. And so Bishop makes some points here. I want to read some of us, some of it for us. The wonderful scripture we read above tells us that Christians on earth can actually experience the powers of the world to come. Hebrews 6, 4 describes a Christian's experience of being enlightened, testing the heavenly gift of salvation, being a partaker of the word of God, and a partaker of the powers of the world to come. God would allow, listen to this, God would allow Christians on earth to taste of the powers of the world to come. This scripture gives hope to all of us since we are operating under lingering global cases. There are lingering global cases. The solution is meaningless unless you see the gravity of the problem. When you see the gravity of the problem, then grabbing more of the solution becomes paramount. Hallelujah. Because of lingering global curses, you now need to break the power of curses over your life, over your family, over your friends, and every you think it's only in Africa people do curses. Or, or, or juju. Sometimes it amazes me that people are afraid of their relatives. But the person at the counter, at the store where you are going to shop, do you know what spirit they are from? They are using. Amen. And the curse is not even just in terms of the black magic curse. The curse is also some invisible thing that brings failure over and over again. And we are talking about, let us not acquiesce and accept that this is the way it is. This is America. Another day, another dollar. No. Don't have that attitude. Hallelujah. And so, we are being invited. It's an invitation. It's a, this scripture gives hope to all of us since we are operating under lingering global cases. This scripture is showing us that even while we are on earth, we can partake of the powers of the world to come. Indeed, in this life, you can invoke the powers of the world to come and thereby escape the tragedy of these global cases. It is a fact that most of us have done things that arouse biblical cases. Most individuals, families, and nations have some kind of lingering curse in effect somewhere. In order to deal with all cases in this life, you will have to invoke the powers of the world to come. And at the beginning, I told you the source of these powers is Christ's completed work on the cross and his resurrection. If you move outside of this as a source of power, you are in error. You will go after a, a, a fake power and a satanic power. 
If any power anyone is operating in is not rooted in Christ and his cross and the resurrection, then you, the source of the power is questionable. Hallelujah. Okay, I always want to question that because we are not just after just any power. We need to move in the power that Christ gave us. Alright? It is only the powers of the world to come that all curses will be finally removed. It is time for you to operate in the powers of the world to come. According to the scripture, if you partake in the word of God and in the Holy Spirit, then you are qualified to operate in the powers of the world to come. Hallelujah. The powers of the world to come can deliver you from a legitimate curse. The powers of the world to come are the power that will be used to create the beautiful world that is coming after this era. There's a beautiful world coming, Revelation 21 and 22. That beautiful world that is going to come by the exercising of Christ's power in the future. But Bishop is teaching us from this scripture that now we ought to be hungry to begin to see signs of this beautiful world coming in the future. The glory of this world will soon be gone. In the world to come, everything is going to be different. If we trust the Lord, we will reign with him in the world to come. There will be no more sorrow. Okay, So what the powers of the world to come will accomplish? We are going to read that. But let me give uh, a couple of verses. So sometimes when you read the scriptures, you can easily become overwhelmed. You can, it, it feels like a pressure that we've been given a boatload of things to accomplish and uh, you don't see yourself anywhere, anywhere near. But look at this scripture in um, Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Luke 17, 21. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, Samantha, is within you. We look for it here and here, but he said, no, don't look here and here and here. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, the kingdom of God is another way of describing the domain of God, which is what? The powers of the age to come. So, so what we are talking about, if you are a believer and Christ lives in you, you have the potential already. The seed of the kingdom is in you. Amen. So what we are talking about is not far-fetched. Like, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, wishful thinking type of thing. The this, this, these are the words in the red letter Bible. This will be in red. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is within you. It means that if you go somewhere and there's any other kingdom power around, the, it, it is beneath you. Because God is higher than any other power. What the powers of the world to come will accomplish. Number one, we are going to take this down. We won't finish today, but we will start. What the powers of the world to come will accomplish. And all of this is coming from Revelation 21 and 22. So number one, the powers of the world to come will wipe all tears. Okay? The powers of the, some of them are kind of similar to each other, so I'm going to say it in that order. The powers of the world to come will wipe all tears. Revelation 21 verse 4. Okay? Number two, the powers of the world to come will, wa will wipe all sorrow. The powers of the age to come will wipe all sorrow. We don't want to wait till 
Revelation 21 to experience wiping of sorrow. Today, we want to wipe sorrow. So, number one, the powers of the world to come will do a wipe all what? Tears. Number two is wipe all sorrow. And then, number three, the powers of the world to come will wipe out all crying. Hallelujah. I want to talk about these three together because they seem to be related. <laughs> Tears, sorrow, and crying. Hallelujah. This is the effect of the fall. Bishop preached, I think, three years ago about overcoming the world in the um, first love church. I've forgotten which series it was. But in during that series, Bishop read from certain books, which are not in the Bible, but he said that from other reliable sources, about the experience of Adam and Eve when they were kicked out of the garden. Things that they must have, they must have told Enoch and the others, and they have written it down. Bishop read from it. I've forgotten the title, but, but he said that one of the first things was that when they came out of the garden, they, 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 they didn't have that lush, luxury life that they used to have. And, and then all of a sudden, they, I mean, they had to be living in a cave. And, 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 and the story goes that one day, Adam came and caught, caught Eve trying to commit suicide. She was crying because she was used to this comfortable, comfortable life in the garden. Now, all of a sudden, in this place, things are hard. Amen. So this crying is it, like, it's like it's Adam had to now encourage Eve because Eve is so sad that, oh, Adam, what I have brought to the world? What I have brought Eve because of me? And so Eve was very, very depressed and, 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 and crying every day. And, and Adam came to catch Eve trying to commit suicide and, and, and actually had to encourage, Adam became a doctor, a clinical psychologist to encourage Eve. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and it, it may be far-fetched, but the reality is that the remnants of it, we still see it today, of sorrow and of crying and of tears. And you may say, why is Bishop differentiating the three? It, it's not all crying that leads to tears. Sometimes crying, people are crying within, but you don't see the tears in their eyes. Amen. And then there is sorrow that is not necessarily expressed in crying. And so that crying and sorrow and tears, but they are all emotional turmoil going on within us. And, and what we are saying is that this is the legacy of the fall. It's a curse that Adam and Eve brought. But then Christ came. Christ came to redeem us from the curse. And if he has redeemed us from the curse, and it says that a day will come, look, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And the former things are passed away. That same concept is in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are what? Passed away. So therefore, Lord, let us not accept that we are going to be morose and let tears control our lives. Let's not accept that sorrow will be the, 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 the description of our life, that you're always sorrowful. No. We need to begin to enter into the powers of the age to come now. And now overcome this spirit of sorrow. And overcome this spirit of what? Tears. And overcome. What does that mean that things will, will not go wrong? Things will go wrong. But there is something else moving within you. There is a spirit within you. Paul said in, I think, I think Romans chapter 14 and verse 21. Of Romans 14 and 17. Let's try that one. And then we will end it there. For the kingdom of God is not what? Meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We have to believe it. The kingdom of God, which Luke 17 21 says, it is within you, it is not up in the sky. It's actually within you. It's not far away to now go and look for. It is actually within you. That kingdom of God, 
It is characterized by what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So therefore, if you have the kingdom of God operating in you, you will be operating in the powers of the age to come. Because, look, you do, not, do you know which of, these, which of these three things, which of these three things are evident? First of all, the, why was it necessary for him to say the kingdom of God is not meat and drink? Because that's what the whole world is after, meat and drink. Amen. I, I heard somebody say that if you see a poor man who is very happy, go into his world his, uh, and inspect. He probably has a bottle of rum. <laughs> that, that's why he's getting his joy from. Amen. But you and I have something that should give us perpetual joy. Not because all our problems have been solved, but because we are in the Holy Ghost. Amen. But the sad aspect is that, you see, the first one, the kingdom of God is what? Not meat and but it's what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that every true born-again believer, which of them have we experienced that we know for sure we have? Um, that is what we should experience, but the average believer doesn't think of that as part of the package. What are the things that comes to mind immediately? I'm born again, so therefore I'm what? Righteousness. So then the righteousness part, we don't have a problem with it that now my sins have been forgiven and therefore I'm righteous. But you see, after the righteousness has come, many of us are not walking in peace and joy. But it's part of a package. If God Almighty, the chief justice of the world, the chief judge of the world, has said he's forgiving you all your sins, and it says in Romans that if God did not deny us Christ, his only begotten son, why would he not with him give us all things? And so then, the righteousness should now lead to what? Peace and joy. But the peace and joy is not going to be found in the world. If we look for peace and joy in the world, that's where we struggle. We look for peace and joy in our circumstances. But it is time, that is why before it says, before the scripture says that um, we, we, uh, the believers have become what? Partakers of the Holy Ghost. It said that we are part, before the scripture said that we are what? able to exercise the powers of the age to come. In that Hebrew scripture, it said we are partakers of what? The Holy Ghost. And then also, tasted the good word of the Lord and tasted the heavenly gift. So after enlightenment has come and tasted the good word of the Lord and tasted the heavenly gift and we have become partakers of the Holy Ghost, this scripture will become true for you. That the kingdom of God will be operating within you. And therefore, joy becomes your story. And people will be surprised that, how is it that you're always happy, you're joyful? You have a lot of issues. You are coming to church on Moss Road and your Nissan Quest breaks down. And the children are asking, Daddy, what are we going to do? <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's not that you are, you are going to be exempt from issues. You will have them. But then the Lord is slapping Michael and Gabriel and the other angels high five and said, look at my boy over there. In spite of all that he's going through, he has a sweet spirit. He's happy and he's encouraging others. That is your story. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Let us rise up and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Take out a good offering. We bless you. We adore you. We magnify your name and we commend ourselves to you. We give you honor because you have wrought great things for us. And so we give our hearts and our minds with our offerings to honor you, to adore you, Receive it, O God, together with our hearts. Bring honor to your name and promote your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.